0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Bismillah ar wa wa Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajmain amma ba'd continuing with the verses about um, what has been made lawful in terms of uh, food and animals Allah says, اليوم that this day we have made tayyibat lawful for you. طيب is everything that is good. Right? And here it means everything that is halal and pure. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um wants for the believer to eat food that is pure. And that is the meaning of of halal the food of the people of the scripture is lawful to you and yours is lawful to them and we touched briefly on this that the food of the people of the book means the animals that are slaughtered by the Jews and Christians these are considered halal if the conditions are met meaning the animal is slaughtered this is one number two the name of Allah is mentioned then you can eat so Allah says it is permissible for you to eat now if the animal is not slaughtered hmm, if it's not slaughtered by a Jew and, and Christian are you permitted to eat that meat there is a difference of opinion with the majority of ulama saying it is not permissible a minority says it is permissible because Allah says their meat is halal for you so you don't you shouldn't uh, concern yourself with how that animal has died as long as it has been put to death by a Jew and Christian but this is a minority opinion the reality because it it doesn't make sense that Allah says well you can eat an animal that was uh, that has been killed by uh, an, a non-Muslim uh, and not s- slaughtered. Whereas the Muslim, if a Muslim person, you saw a Muslim person, for example, hitting an animal with a blunt object, and that animal died, you can't eat that meat. And so, how can it be that if a Christian does it, you're allowed to eat it? You know, it doesn't it make sense. So, it has to fulfill the halal conditions, which are sacrifice, slaughter, and the name of Allah should be mentioned. So the food of the people of the scripture, Jews and Christians, is lawful to you, and yours is lawful to them. Then Allah says, and it is lawful to you in marriage, are the chaste women from the believers and the chaste women from those who were given the scriptures before you, or before your time, when you have given their due mahar. muhsinina ghayra musafihin, given by the husband to his wife. You know, the mahar is the dowry. Desiring chastity, not committing, not committing illegal sexual intercourse, not taking them as girlfriends. And whosoever disbelieves in faith, i.e. the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then fruitless is his work, and in the hereafter he will be among the losers. So this verse tells us that the animal that is slaughtered by the people of the book is halal for us. But it also tells us that the women of the people of the book are, are halal for Muslim men. Muslim men have been permitted to marry Jewish and Christian women. But there are conditions to these. The first one is, that woman has to be Mm muhsanat, meaning a woman that is not known to have you know, uh, multiple relationships, and um, that is of good standing character, right? A chaste woman is a woman that protects her chastity Hmm? condition one condition one two she has to believe in Allah not only Jew and Christian by by name even if she believes that Isa is the son of Allah or whatever it is doesn't matter what matters is that she believes in Allah number three you have to give her mahar right because mahar is a condition of nikah in islam number four her wali has to be informed and has to agree to the marriage yeah just like if you marry a muslim woman then you have to get permission from her wali her father or you know elder brother whoever her guardian is so likewise the kitabia the jewish and christian woman you have to seek permission from her wali to marry her yes if a sister is a revert and you want to marry this sister that is a revert a muslim man wants to marry a new muslim woman then he doesn't need the permission of her father her father is obviously most likely going to disapprove and even if he approved it doesn't matter you don't need his permission because when a, when a woman becomes Muslim, then her father, brother, whoever is, all of the male members of her family lose guardianship over her. Because Allah says, Allah will not place a disbeliever in a position of authority over a believer. Never. Yes, if her father becomes Muslim, her brother becomes Muslim, other male members of her family become Muslim, then they will become her wali. So in that case, that woman doesn't have a wali and the ruler or the imam of the locality becomes her wali. Anyway, and so if a a Muslim man wanted to marry a Christian woman or a Jewish woman, he has to have the approval of her father. That is condition number four. Number five, she has to accept that the children will be considered Muslim. Because you as a Muslim cannot accept that your children are going to be Jews or Christian. If you accept that, then you become non-Muslim yourself. Uh, You can't approve of kufr. Why is this permissible? It is permissible because it is hoped that because of the similarities between Islam and Christianity and Judaism. When a Jewish woman or a Christian woman will live under a Muslim man, she will will see the the closeness to Islam and perhaps come into, into Islam. So she will be attracted by that lifestyle and hopefully become Muslim. If she doesn't become Muslim, then her rights of worship are protected Because as a Muslim man, we believe in the Torah that was revealed to Musa and we believe in the Injil that was revealed to Isa. And so she is permitted to worship. If she is with a Muslim man, she will worship, she will celebrate her festivals and whatever. All of that is permitted and the man cannot stop her from doing so. Now, a Muslim woman is not permitted to marry a Jewish man or a Christian man. Why? We just said the verse. Allah says that a disbeliever will not be placed as an authority over a believer. When a woman marries a man, she comes out from the authority of her father to the authority of her husband. It cannot be that a non-Muslim has authority over a Muslim. This is number one. Number two is that the Jew and the Christian do not accept Muhammad a messenger and so they will not respect her right to to worship the way the Muslim will respect the right of a Jewish and a Christian to worship and so for these reasons it is not permitted for um, the Muslim woman to marry a non Muslim man Christian or Jew also and a third reason so we said the first reason is that her right of worship is not protected number two is that non-Muslim ha- will have authority over a Muslim. Number three is, the children of that marriage will belong to the, the religion of the man. Although Islam says, in worst case scenario, in worst case scenario, if a Muslim woman finds herself with a non-Muslim man, let's say for example, you know, they were both non-Muslim, and, um, and then she became Muslim, but she did not separate from him, and they continued living. And they had children, those children will be considered Muslim. Those children will be considered Muslim regardless of the religion. But the problem is the father is not going to accept. And he is in a position of authority. He says, I want my children to be Jew or Christian. And the woman has to has no no control over that. So Allah says, محصنين غير مسافحين ولا أخدان, That you are permitted to marry them if you give them their mahar. Desiring to, desiring to protect your chastity. That you are marrying them in order to protect yourself from sin. غير مسافحين Not seeking illegal means of uh, intercourse. ولا متخذي أخدان and not taking them as girlfriends, meaning relationship outside of, of marriage. That is all not permissible. However, uh, uh, although this is permissible, Allah has set out. But Allah says, وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِّنْ مُشْرِكَةٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ وَلَا عَبْدٌ مُؤْمِنٌ خَيْرٌ مِّنْ مُشْرِكٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكُمْ Marrying a believing woman, a Muslim woman, is uh, there is no comparison actually to say it's better (laughs) there is no comparison Um, and it is highly discouraged especially in our day in our times if a person is interested in a woman that is non-muslim then they should seek to convert her Mm. then at least it is you know, the family unit is protected. Because when, when you are in agreement, then everything is uh, rosy and everything seems okay and no problem, and we agree on everything. But the problem happens when conflict. In conflict, then you have major issues, right? Well, you can sing all you want, my children are Muslim. But if, that, if, if, if divorce and separation happens and your children go to live with, with a non-Muslim, that has it for you, right? She's going to do the, her best to do what, to divert them away from. Unfortunately, this is what we do. You know, the, the, oh, yes, there are reasonable people and reasonable couples that, when they separate, they separate bil ma'ruf honorably. But in most cases, it's what. You, children are used in order to, to hurt you. And you will do the same. You will use the children in order to hurt her. There's not one way. Both ways. What we are, the children are used to do what? To manipulate um, the other party. And so highly discouraged. Actually, in the time of Umar, one of the sahaba married, two sahaba actually, married um, women uh, from the people of the book. And he, he asked them to, he said, divorce them. Why? Because you are a Sahabi. And if you do it, then people are going to follow your example. And so the Sahabi uh, responded. He said, yeah, Umar, are you saying they are haram? He said, no, I cannot say it's haram. The Quran says it's halal. But he said, look, there's many Muslim women that need marriage. Why you specifically? What is that Christian woman or Jewish woman, what is it that she has? What's the reason? Rasulullah says a Muslim marries, a woman is married for four reasons. And a Muslim marries for what? For deen. You've married a Christian or a Jewish. For what? No. For her look, she will grow old. No. And her beauty will fade away. Right? For her wealth, the wealth will come to an end. For her standing in society, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't benefit you in any way. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Today, a person who? is honored, tomorrow they will be dishonored. OK, so what, what, what's the reason? Out of love, Allah, uh, Jibreel said, مَنْ شِئْتَ فَإِنَّكَ Love whom you like, or whom, whom you wish, you will separate from them. And we've already said that in Islam, love is not the basis of marriage. It is an ingredient in the marriage, but it's not the basis. The basis is, command of Allah, sunnah of Rasulullah honor and respect. And then as a result of all of that will come, love and compassion. Yeah, because they are chasing, in the, in, do you know the reason for that? The reason that uh, this has been sold to people, the idea of? finding a soul mate. The reason for it is because there is no more worship of Allah and so you have to worship someone. <laughs> there is no love for Allah, it's a so- godless society and so what your pursuit of your life is what? Is finding love. And if you don't find this love, then you're going to have miserable life, and you're gonna keep looking, and traveling, and go here and go there, and you know, spend time with a uh, hundred different people. Every time you think you got it, no, it's, n- it's not the right one. Hmm? And every time you go through a relationship, you live part of yourself there, and so eventually, when you do find your loved one, you you, you only there's only thirty percent left of you. <laughs> And so he uh, but why? Because life has no purpose, you see. Life has no purpose. And, and because, uh, alhamdulillah, we're, we're living in, you know, we have a, a sort of financial security where people are eating and drinking, and alhamdulillah, they've got shelter. Everybody is kind of living OK. You know, they're, they're going to get by. And so, you know, seeking provision is no longer your, an aim, because everybody's eating and drinking. And so your life becomes futile. And so you start chasing for things that are just a dream. Following that, Allah says, O you who believe, when you intend to off- offer salah, wash your faces and your hands up to the elbows. Rub your heads, meaning pass wet hands over your heads, and your feet up to the ankles, i.e., and wash your feet. Not wipe your feet. Up to the ankles. In Surah An Nisa, we had a verse where it told the verse mentioned um, when you cannot pray, no. right? Because you are in a state of impurity. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, if you are drunk, obviously that was previously the case. Um, if uh, if you are in a state of major impurity, sexual impurity, and, uh, or if you have gone to relieve yourself, or if you have touched women, or you had relations with women. Um, and so in this Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah tells us how to cleanse ourselves for that prayer. So if you have gone to relieve yourself, what do you do? He said, yeah, O oh you who believe, when you intend to pray, when you stand for, uh, intend to offer prayer, wash your faces, your hands, to the elbows, so four things. And those are the four main faraid of wudu. Allah mentions fara'id. Washing of the face, washing of the arms including the elbows and the hands of the head and washing of the feet these are the four faraid according to all the madahib. some have added added a few by saying you have to have intention you have to make sure that you are rubbing and passing your hand it is not enough to just wash washing means water and rubbing according to some and uh, some have added meaning doing one thing after the other and no, not leaving too much space in between because then it will not be considered wudu. Uh, about the wiping of the head, because Allah subhanahu ta'ala said, Bi ruusikum. Uh, and so, ulama have differed. Uh, he did not say, wamsahu And so, because of that, ulama have differed. Some say, The masah of the full head is fard. Some say, the masah of the quarter of the head is fard. Some say, no. Some say one hair. I think Imam Shafi'i, right? He says, few strands of hair, and you will have fulfilled. Why? Because Allah says, part of your head. So if you you do this, you've done part of your head. Your farida is done. But the sunnah is, obviously, the full head. They all agree that the sunnah is to go from the front to the back, and from the back to the front. That is the sunnah of Rasulullah nice. Allah says, if you are in a state of major impurity, then wudu is not enough. He says, you have to bathe, have ghusl. This is what? The, it permits tayammum, if you are traveling, if you do not find water, if um, uh, you know you cannot use water because you are marda, you are sick. Then Allah says, so use and um, tayyibah, clean earth. Wipe your face and your arms, including the elbow. And the method of? despite the differences of opinion the method of tayammum is very very easy you actually start with the arms and then you do the face yeah. um, you start with the, with the hands right so th- you're gonna hit the ground yeah and so you do this bismillah and then hit yeah and then it is sunnah to do the hands before you actually do the face, just to remove any dirt or anything uh, that's on your hands. Allah says, ma yuridu li This is the rule of Sharia. In many, in other verses, Allah said in Surah Al-Baqarah, you read Allah Bikumul Yusr. Allah wants ease for you, and does not want difficulty for you. Allah says, ma yuridu Allahu li alaykum min haraj. Allah does not want to place you in difficulty. And so you are fasting. We are fasting right now. It's difficult. Allah says, I don't want to place you in difficulty. وَلَكِنْ <laughs> يُرِيدُ Allah wishes to, wants to purify you. And so purification requires a little bit of effort. <laughs> and to complete. His favor to you, that you may be thankful. And then he says, And remember Allah's favor to you, and his covenant with which he bound you, when you said, we hear and we obey and fear Allah. Verily, Allah is alimun bidhati sudur knowing of that which is in the chest, in the breast. Uh, this is very similar to what Allah wa ta'ala said to Bani Israel in many verses of Surah Al Baqarah. Right. And so, the same thing Allah is saying to us. Remember the, the blessing of Allah. What is the blessing of Allah? That He sent His Prophet and Messenger, and He revealed the Quran, and He provided guidance. These are some of the blessings of Allah upon the Ummah. And our part we have made what? What is the covenant? Shahada, right? We have testified that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad Sallallahu is his messenger. And so it means what? I will live my life by the command of Allah on the way of Rasulullah, the way of Rasulullah. And then he mentions other Blessings and moves on to speak about how the people of the book, Nasara, Christians, and Jews, broke their promise and their covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After this Allah says, remember when Musa said to his people, oh my people, remember the favor of Allah to you when he made prophets among you, made you kings and gave you what he had not given to any other among the alameen. And we know that um, there are many Anbiya, actually all of the Anbiya after uh, Ibrahim Alayhi salam, Ismail, Ishaq, after Ishaq, are all from Bani Israel, except with the exception of what? Mm-hmm. Rasulullah yeah. And so he said, remember this blessing of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that He made prophets among you, made you kings, right? and gave you what He had not given to any other uh, from among the alameen. O my people, enter the holy land which Allah has assigned to you and do not turn back in flight, for then you will be returned as losers. This is when when Musa left with Bani Israel and they left Egypt. They headed towards
1: where?
0: Baytul Maqdis. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the promised land was Baytul Maqdis. Yes. And Ard al-Muqaddasa is, um, uh, the, 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 it is where, um, because Bani Israel in Egypt were only sort of guests in Egypt because they came through Yusuf alaihi salam. Yusuf came and then Yusuf alaihi salam brought his parents, uh, Ya'qub, and his brothers, and then they set up in Egypt, and so they would return to the. Return to, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala commanded them to, enter the Holy Land, in meaning Palestine. Palestine. Yes. I
1: forgot to mention that uh, when we say Belu Israel in that time, we are talking about the Muslim that
0: time. Yes, yes, they are the Muslim that time. Yes, because they are. Uh, they are believing, although they've, they've committed, you know, in the time of Musa they've, they've worshipped the Angel and committed some other mistakes, but yes, they are, they are Muslim. They are following uh, the Sharia of Allah. And so Musa said, O oh, oh my people, enter the holy land which Allah has kataballahu assigned to you. And do not turn back in flight, for then you will be returned as losers. They said, O oh Musa, in this holy land are a people of great strength and we shall never enter it till they leave it. When they leave we will enter. So they want to enter the land but without any without any effort. <laughs> they want it to come easy. Two men of those who feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and on whom Allah has bestowed His grace said, attack them through the gate, assault them through the gate. For when you are in, victory will be yours and put your trust in Allah if you are believers indeed. So these two people were true believers. And they said, if Allah has assigned this to you and He's promised you this, then you have to be sure that you will be victorious. Right? The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised Sahaba that they will enter Mecca, they entered Mecca. Right? And so if Allah promises you, but it requires some struggle on your part, some effort on your part. So make the effort and have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do they say? What's the response? They said, Oh Musa. We shall never enter it as long as they are there. And then, one is you don't want to enter, you are cowardly, it doesn't matter, it's okay to be cowardly. A Sahabi came to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, I am a coward, I don't want to go and fight jihad. <laughs> he said, okay. And he said, I'm miser, very greedy, I don't like to give a lot of charity. Tell me something that I, if I do, I will enter paradise. He said, make a lot of dhikr. What will happen is, you make a lot of dhikr, your iman will strengthen. If your iman will strengthen, that greediness will go away. And that cowardness will go away. That cowardness and greediness is weakness of iman. And it's okay for a person to be weak in iman, as long as they are making an effort to strengthen their iman. The mistake is where? In the following. They said, They said, Oh Moses, we shall never enter it as long as they are there. So go you and your Lord and fight. <laughs> this is what now? This is rebelling. He said, you go, you and Allah, you go and fight. We're going to sit here. We are sitting right here, waiting. Mm. Very uh, disrespectful. (laughs) So Musa, you know this, on, on the day when Rasulullah came out for Badr. So we know the story of Badr, right? Rasulullah came out. To, to capture the what? The caravan of Abu Sufyan. He didn't, he didn't come out for war. He came out to take what was uh, uh, permissible for them to take because Abu Sufyan was from an enemy uh, side. And secondly, uh, some of that wealth was what was, was taken from the, the, the property of the Muhajirin who had migrated to Medina. And Surah al Wasallam intended for he came out for. That. So when they came out, some Muhajirin came out, some Ansar came out. They missed the caravan. Eventually, they got news that actually Abu Jahl and Quraysh have come out. A thousand people, they have come out to fight you. So Rasulullah questioned Sahaba and he said, What do you think? What shall we do? And so, in that occasion, Rasulullah. Uh, was waiting for the Ansar. Obviously the Muhajirin are going to fight because <laughs> they, have, they have nothing to lose anymore, right? And they've come out, they've been, they've been uh, persecuted by Quraysh, they have been driven out of their home by Quraysh, so they're going to fight no matter what. If there is a fight, Muhajirin are going to be there. But the Ansar, the agreement with the Ansar was what? that we will protect you whilst you are with us. At Badr, you are not with us. (laughs) We are outside of Medina. So Rasulullah asked. So one of the Muhajir stood up. He said, Ya Rasulullah, we'll fight with you. Don't worry, yes. So Rasulullah then asked again. uh, He said, "Any, Any other opinion? So the second was Muhajir. The third and Ansari stood up, one of the leaders of the Ansari. He said, Ya Rasulullah, it is like you are asking us, are we going to fight with you? So they said, he said, Ya Rasulullah, wherever you go, we will go with you. If you enter the sea, we will enter it with you. And, he said, what? We will not say to you like Bani Israel said to Musa, you go and fight with your Lord. And we are going to sit right here. Rather, anta wa rabbuka inna ma'akuma muqatilun. You go with your Lord and we will come with you. this is how this is how Allah said you are the best of nations anyway so Musa he turned to Allah he said that Oh Allah I have power only over myself and my brother these are the two people myself and my brother is a Nabi and he is under my authority these people, they are not listening. They are not accepting. So, separate us from the people who are rebellious and disobedient. Allah says, Allah said, therefore this holy land is forbidden to them for 40 years. In destruction, they will wander through the land. They will not have a home. They will not settle anywhere. Yet في الأرض فلا على القوم الفاسقين. So do not be sorrowful over the people who are rebellious. And it happened that Musa died before Allah permitted for them to enter al-Maqdis, the Holy Land. But it is said, at, at the time of his death, he sought permission from Allah to go close to it, and just to witness it with his sight. But he wasn't, he did not enter it. And Bani Israel did not enter it, until that, that generation actually died, and their children, their offspring were more righteous. Hmm? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them entry. Following that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the story of the two sons of Adam. And Muhammad recite to them, i.e. to the Jews, the story of the two sons of Adam, Habil and Qabil, in truth. When each offered a sacrifice to Allah, it was accepted from one, but not from the other. The latter said to the former, I will surely kill you. The former said, verily, Allah accepts only from those who are al-muttaqoon, pious. If you stretch out your hand against me to kill me, I shall never stretch my hand against you to kill you. For I fear Allah, the Lord of Alameen. Verily, I intend to let you draw my sin on yourself as well as yours. And then you will be from the dwellers of hellfire and that is the recompense of the wrongdoers. So the nafs of the other encouraged him him and made fair seeming to him the murder of his brother, his brother he murdered him and became one of the losers then Allah sent a crow who scratched the ground to show him how to hide the dead body of his brother the murderer said woe to me am I not even able to be as this crow and to hide the dead body of my brother then he became one of those who regretted So this is the story of what? Habil and Qabil.
1: Do you think we should mention those two names
0: as a Muslim? Um, it is uh, Israeli, obviously. Yeah, it is Israeli. Allah is only says the two sons of Adam. Yeah. So
1: hmm. In
0: the sunnah, there is no anything from the Prophet. that hmm. But it is in um, Tafsir. And the reason Allah mentions this, it, there's many lessons in it. The first one is that somebody who is not sincere, Allah does not accept from them. And so, and so they both were asked to give, to sacrifice, to give charity. Mm-hmm. And in that time, the charity would be what? It would be consumed by, by fire. That a fire would, would come and consume anything that you give for the sake of Allah okay so one the righteous one brought the best of what he owned in order to presented before Allah the not righteous the evil one brought the things that he does not does not like okay. so Allah ta'ala accepted one he didn't accept the other and so this one threatened the sinful or the evil threatened the righteous. He said, I will, I will kill you. They say that the righteous one was physically stronger than the evil one. This is what Mufassirin state. And he was capable to defend himself, but he refused to fight his brother. Why? Because uh, maintaining the ties of kinship goes against fighting your brother but he did say to him that if you kill me then what what will happen you are going to have my sin and your sin and you will end up in hellfire. and so he tried to advise him but he refused to listen and he did what he listened to his nafs committed the murder and then buried him through the example because once he they say تفسير, you know these narrations whether they are right or wrong that when 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 uh killed habil he carried him he carried him around not knowing what to do with the, you know the, the you know his dead brother but his, it is his brother and what happens is that. What shaitan does is, he puts all of this anger in you, but once you've committed the sin, then you get what? Allah says, He regretted hmm? that I have killed my brother. And so he went around until Allah showed him a sign. And he showed him a sign, why? In order to, to preserve the sanctity of the body of the believer. And that is going to be the sunnah of Allah that people are to be, buried in in the ground. So Allah says, من أجل ذلك Because of that, we we ordained for the children of Israel that if anyone killed a person not in retaliation of murder or to spread mischief in the land, it would be as if he killed all mankind. And if anyone saved the life, it would be as if he saved the life of all mankind. And so it is ordained for Bani Israel, but it is also the same for our our Ummah. And Rasulullah said that this person or uh, the one who committed the first murder anyone who make, who commits murder after him he will have a share of the sin And this is what we've said previously Rasulullah says whoever establishes a good tradition he will have the reward of all those who follow suit and whoever establishes an evil tradition he will follow he will have the sin of those who follow suit. Further on, Allah wa ta'ala says, as for the male thief and the female thief, cut off from the wrist joint their right hands as a recompense for that which they committed, a punishment by Allah, punishment from Allah by way of example. And Allah is all powerful, all wise. This is what capital punishment. And obviously, there are ahkam relating to this. And so, anybody who claims that, who disbelieves in capital punishment, they disbelieve in what? In a direct statement of the Quran. And if you div- disbelieve in a direct statement of the Quran, you are not Muslim. Hmm this is important to know okay further on allah ta'ala, many verses about uh, the nasara and the yahood and how allah ta'ala revealed the torah and the Injil, um, but they um, broke their promises and their covenant too with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they did not rule by what Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la revealed. And so Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says to Rasulullah mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Because the Jews lived in Medina, whenever something happened, and they did not like the ruling of Tawrah, so they know the rule of Tawrah, but they don't, they don't want to apply that rule. They would come to Rasulullah and say, Ya Muhammad, uh, can you give us a ruling for this matter? Allah says, you hakimunak?" How do they come to you for decision while they have the Torah in which is the plain decision of Allah? Min Yet even after that they turn away. Allah says, They are not believers. And so this happened, An example of this is that uh, somebody who was influential and from a noble family committed a sin for which there was capital punishment. But they did not want to implement it. He was going to be put to death, but they did not want to implement it. So they came to Rasulullah and he said, uh, Ya Muhammad, what is the rule for a person who commits adultery? He said, What is the rule in Torah? So they came with the Torah and they read, but obviously it was a language that Rasulullah did not understand. And they omitted what, the part that says about adultery. And they said, oh, we don't have a rule here about it. Allah <laughs> he said, they are lying. They have Torah. And the rules of Allah are clearly clearly mentioned. And so Allah says, verily, we did send down the Torah to Musa. Therein was guidance and light, fiha hudan wa nur, by which the prophets who submitted themselves to Allah, judged for the Jews, and the rabbis and the priests also judged for the Jews by the laws of the Torah. For to them was entrusted the protection of Allah's book, and there were witnesses there too. So Allah says, um, following this, uh, closing this verse, He says, And whosoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed, such as the Kafirun. If you don't judge by what Allah has revealed, you are, those are disbelievers. The closing of the next verse, Allah says, Whoever does not judge by that which Allah has revealed, they are ظالمون, wrongdoers, unjust. And the third verse, Allah says, says, Let the people of Injil judge by what Allah has revealed therein. And whosoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed, such as the fasiqoon, the rebellious or disobedient. So we'll we'll come to that what mufassirin say. But anyway, so in these verses, Allah says, "I revealed Tawrah, I revealed Injil. Those who don't rule by Tawrah and Injil, they are what kafirun, zalimun, fasiqun, disbelievers, unjust, disobedient." And we have sent to you, O Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam, this Quran, the book, in truth, confirming the scripture that came before it, عليه, and witness over it, or trustworthy in highness. So judge among them by what Allah has revealed, and follow not their vain desires, diverging away from the truth that has come to you to each among you we have prescribed a law and a clear way and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding Rasulullah to do what he said don't rule by the the law of torah and don't rule by the, the law of injil rule and make judgment by why, what i have revealed to you buy Quran and so it became the law that Rasulullah said to the Jews of Medina amongst yourselves you can do whatever is in the Torah if a case is brought to me then I will rule by Quran no Torah so these verses are now used by what certain Muslim will say that if a Muslim ruler does not rule by what Allah has commanded, then he is kafir, because the verse says it. Hmm? And so, what is the meaning of this? Some have, some mufassirin say that the one who doesn't rule by the command of Allah he is all three. He is Fasiq, Zalim, Kafir, all three of them. And so knowingly, being in a position of authority and not implementing the rule of Allah, you are what? Fasiq, Dhalim, Kafir, all three. Others say, no, it depends on what? It depends on the situation and on the person. If a person believes a law to be better than the law of Allah, then he's Kafir.
1: If
0: a person believes that no, the law of Allah is better, but I'm going to implement this one. Then he is what? ظالم. He's unjust. No. Understood? You
1: see, ma'am it's very, very deep here. You know, because we have two categories here. You could be in the authority, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but you have no knowledge. Yes. So the alim, has the, has the responsibility? The authority. So the authority, when he knows the knowledge, so he has absolute responsibility to implement what the alim said. Mm-hmm. So, but if the alim FAIL, I think for the alim he is a CAPITAL. because he should really explain to the authority what is the rule and what is the judgment. Mm-hmm. But if the authority he he knows the knowledge and he refuses, then he will be ZALIM. in that case. I think mean, this is the, That's the way I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. The ritual, know, but anything. essentially, well th- w- what you are saying, the, the brother is saying the people of authority they are generally uh, ignorant. Uh, but actually in Islam the person who is to be in authority should not be ignorant. Hmm. And so he has to rule by the command of Allah, so he has to be aware of the command of Allah. Yeah? And so what the brother is saying is that w- the rule is that we have now um, they have ulama and so the, those ulama have the responsibility to dictate to them or inform them of what is the command of Allah But the reality is those rulers will not will not accept it. And so there will be mm. We ask Allah to protect us um, and to implement the Sharia of Allah at least in our lives. Further on, Allah says, O oh, you who believe, to do not take the Jews and Christians as awliya, friends, protectors, helpers, that is the translation, awliya. And if any amongst you take them as awliya, then surely he is one of them. Verily, Allah guides not those people who are zhalimun, who are wrongdoers or unjust. And so Allah is what? is asking for the, is commanding the believers not to take the Jews and Christians as helpers and awliya, not to approve of their way of life and their their deen, because Allah says fit deen. Some people say, no, no, no. You can't have a Christian friend. You can't have a Jewish friend. But that is related to emotion and Allah doesn't hold you responsible for For emotion somebody is kind to you and good to you and you you have positive good emotions towards them Allah is is not going to hold you responsible and so to say that a Muslim is not allowed to have non-Muslim friend because of this verse is kind of um, illogical actually because few verses away Allah said you can marry a Christian woman and a Jewish woman and so what you're going to marry a woman and not love the woman (laughs) So you're going to marry her, but she's going to remain your enemy. That is not the meaning. The meaning is, don't approve of their way of life. So they can be, you can think, for example, um, you know, this Jew or Christian is, is a friend of mine, in the sense that I am friendly with this person. We have good relationship. OK, but I don't approve of his way of life. And I will tell him that I, d- I don't approve of his way of life. Right. Then Allah mm. gives a warning and He says, O you who believe, whoever from, from among you turns back from his religion, i.e. from Islam. And this happened, actually. You know, when Rasulullah S.A.W. commanded the Sahaba to migrate to uh, Abyssinia, a, a Sahabi, a, a person who was a Muslim and migrated with his wife, when he arrived in Abyssinia, he was what? Um, Uh, he kind of uh, was attracted by the the belief and uh, the religion of Christians and so he became Christian. And that woman later became what? The wife of Rasulullah (laughs) So Allah says if you turn back from your religion then Allah will bring a people whom he will love and they will love him humble towards the believers stern towards the disbelievers, fighting in the way of Allah, and never fear the blame of the blamers. So Allah is saying what? If you turn away from Islam, then Allah does not need you. He will exchange you and bring somebody else who is loyal to Allah, and who is committed to the deen of Allah. But this is a very, very, um, very good description or oh, this quality of the believer, that those whom Allah loves and those who love Allah are They are humble towards the believers. They are harsh and stern against the disbelievers. What we find is the opposite. We deal very harshly with each other as Muslims. Yes Muslim. or no? Yeah, when we don't, we we disagree with them, we're very harsh with each other. Very harsh. No salam, no no this, that. Very harsh. But with the disbeliever, we are very nice. (laughs) Very nice. With the kafir, we're very nice. Even, you know, like, let's say, for example, we're very harsh with Shia. As Sunni, right? We say, oh, this is wrong. Very harsh with them. And with Christian and Jews, we hugging and kissing. And so it cannot be. Because the Shi'a, no matter how, yes, bid'a, whatever it is, in their belief, he's still saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. I believe that there is no God, but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. And so it should be what? Allah says, you Your dealing with, with the believer should be a, one of softness and humbleness. And with the disbeliever, you know, a person should be. um, mm. Then Allah says, verily, your wali, meaning your protector or your helper, is none other than Allah, his messenger. And the believers. These are the ones that you have firm relationship with. Allah, His Messenger, and the believers. الصلاة, those who perform salah and give zakah, and so even from the believers, not all your all the believers are your awliya. Because Allah is saying he didn't say إنما وليكم الله ورسوله والذين آمنوا. No, he said إنما وليكم الله ورسوله والذين آمنوا الذين يقيمون الصلاة ويؤتون الزكاة وهم راكعون. Those who perform salah. Give, zala, give zakah, and they are raki'oon. They are among the obedient. Then Allah taala says, whosoever takes Allah, his messenger, and those who have believed as protectors, then the party of Allah will be the victorious one. Allah says about the munafiqeen. He says <laughs> that the munafiqin had a good relationship with the Jews. Allah SWT says, Why are they doing that with the Jews or with the Mushrikeen of Mecca? Why are they they seeking to be honored? And so think about it today. As Muslims, we see honor in the lifestyle of non-Muslims. And nobody can shake their head and say otherwise. That is the truth. We see honor in the lifestyle of non-Muslims. Allah says, that only Allah, his messenger, and those who believe will be victorious. In that verse he says, Are you seeking honor with, in a lifestyle other than the one that I have revealed and has been shown by Rasulullah Allah says, All of the honor belongs to Allah because it is Allah who honors and it is Allah who dishonors. But do we see what? Look, even in languages, right? a person who speaks uh, you know, English and what have you, in Muslim countries we're talking. Not as lot. We have to use it because it's the language we live here. But in Muslim countries, in Morocco, for example, right? people f- feel pride in speaking French. right? And they've got their head up high and, Allahu Akbar. You have been given the language of Quran. You share the language of Rasulullah You don't see any honor in that. But you see honor in, in, in the language of disbeliever. And, th- and that is not to say there is anything wrong with the language. Allah says, he created the differences of languages. Yeah? But the point is, don't, f- don't see honor in the way of the disbelievers. Should not see honor in that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, "O you who believe, take not as helpers or protectors as awliya' those who take your religion as a mockery and fun. They make fun of your religion. ie Jews and Christians? They make fun of your religion. وَتَقُولُ اللَّهَ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And fear Allah if you are indeed believers. When you proclaim the call for salah, they take it as mockery and fun. That is because they are a people who do not understand. Then Allah tells us why we are better. He says, Say, O people of the scripture, do you criticize us for no other reason than. That we believe in Allah, and in which has been sent down to us, and in that which has been sent down before us. And that most of you are fasiqun, disobedient to Allah. Because most of you have only believed in what Allah revealed before, and partly believed in that, not even fully. Because Allah says, <laughs> You believe in parts of it, and you refuse parts of it and so the part that says that muhammad is going to come as a messenger and you have to follow him you have omitted it from the book and you say no no this doesn't we don't have any information about this mm. and so the hatred this is not we are not talking about the 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 general christian who doesn't know <laughs> anything about his faith but the one who knows who has studied his faith allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they have a jealousy towards you. Why? Because you believe in all the prophets and messengers. You believe in Musa, Isa, Muhammad. They only believe in Isa, or they only believe in Musa. Okay. This was a very difficult verse. Ah. No, before that and so that you know people who are who listen to the message of Quran don't say that oh this is a, a biased message um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said if the people of the scriptures if they had believed and feared Allah, عَنْهُمْ Allah says, we would forgive their sins. And we will grant them entry into paradise, gardens of pleasure. And if only they had accepted or acted, sorry, if only they had acted according to the Torah and to the Injil, and what has been sent down to them from their Lord, they would surely have gotten provision from above them and from underneath their feet. Minhum ummatul There are from among them people who are on the right course. Very Allah says, Minhum ummatul Some Jews, some Christians have followed the message that was revealed by Allah and stayed committed to it and stayed true to it. But only very few, small amount. I think I don't know if we touched on it in Ali Imran, Allah says, Laysu sawa'a, that the people of the book are not all the same. Minhum ana allayli. Ah. So, so some of them are righteous. But those who are righteous, when they come across the revelation of Quran, then they accept it. Because Allah Azza wa Jalla says, further he will say, wa idha sami'u ma unzila when they hear the righteous Jews, righteous Christians when they hear what has been revealed to the messenger you see that their eyes tear up because they have recognized the truth they have recognized the truth they say oh our Lord we have believed so Put our name down as witnesses, witnesses to the oneness of Allah and to the prophethood of Rasulullah. And why should we not believe in Allah? And what uh, the truth that has come to us. And so the righteous out of them, when they came across the message of Rasulullah, <laughs> they would believe. And so this invitation still stands. Allah says, if you believe, In all that I have revealed. And if you fear me, then I will forgive your sins and I will grant you entry into paradise. Rasulullah said that when a Jewish person or a Christian person becomes Muslim, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them what? Double the reward. Two. Huh? Uh, Two rewards because they believed in two messengers they followed two messengers, in two, all the messengers too. yes but but be, they have acted on two Sharia we only act on one Sharia they acted on one Sharia and then they change and acted on another Sharia and so it's different because the the laws of the Yahud and the laws of and this is in the letter that Rasulullah SAW wrote to what Kisra, Uh, no, uh, uh, Qaysar, Malik al yes Hiraql, Hiraql. He said, what? He said, if you become Muslim, you will be safe and Allah will grant you double the reward because you've ruled by the the law of uh, Isa or Christianity and then you will rule by the law of Allah Last verse Allah says, Ya rasoolu, ma Rab- this was a very difficult for Rasulullah difficult verse, when it was revealed. O Messenger, proclaim the message which has been sa- sent down to you from your Lord. وَإِن وَإِن and if you do not, then you have not conveyed his message. بَلِّغْ, <coughs> Allah taala <coughs> says, that you have a responsibility to openly proclaim. This was revealed to Rasulullah when he was in. In Mecca, hmm? Then Allah said what? Wallahu <laughs> Allah will protect you from mankind. They say that when Rasulullah brought the message, he would have guards. Some Sahaba would, you know, stay the night and protect him. When Allah revealed this verse, Allah will protect you from people. He said to those Sahaba, he said, now there's no more need for security. Security has been guaranteed by? By Allah. So, O Messenger, Proclaim the message which has been sent down to you from your Lord, and mm-hmm. if you do not, then you have not conveyed his message. Nas and Allah will protect you from mankind. In Allah al Kafirin, verily Allah guides not the people who disbelieve. And so this is to Rasulass, but it is also to to us. We have a responsibility as the Ummah of Rasul to proclaim the message that has been sent down to His mess to uh, to us. We ask Allah to grant us more understanding of the Quran and to enable us to live our lives